0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey
1: everybody welcome back to another episode of The Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. Man, this week, you guys are going to get a little extra dose of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. If you go over and check out the Fair Chase podcast, that uh, Deer Hunters Collective that we recorded, they're having uh, the first episode um, the first part of that um is airing this week. The second half will be airing on our show next week, and then to round it out the following week kevin's gonna have the 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 wrap up on that and uh if you're a fan of uncle frank, you'll probably like this uh the one that the the fair chase has on it's got some some fun uh tales from the garbage man type. Type moments on it, but uh, this week, uh, you know, one of our newest partners, the Big Shot Targets, uh, got Brandon Pirelli on, uh, he's their vice president, I think is his official title, but um, you know, kind of serendipitous how we ended up working with them, just meeting them at the show, all that stuff. Heard lots of word of mouth type things, good good stuff from them, but wasn't really familiar with the targets. Um, getting on the podcast and, and kind of diving into the company, man, what a cool story. Um, just kind of like regular guys trying to feed their hunting obsession and uh, you know, made right in their town. A great program with uh, you know people who are in recovery. Uh, working there. And I never really thought too much about like who made your targets or, you know, where your money was going when you bought a target. It was just, oh, I just need to buy a target. Um, but now, you know, to know some of the people and to hear some of the stories of the people who work there, how the company got formed, what their, um, mission statement is and all of that and their great targets, um, is just really cool. So, um, This podcast, I think, is going to, you know, if you don't know who uh, Big Shot Targets are, kind of diving into the company and uh, the people behind it. Super cool. I don't like, you know, it's never product first. Um, We talk a little bit about bear hunting and and, uh, the hunting heritage and, uh, like, kind of the stuff from PA to Michigan. Uh, But I know you guys are going to like this podcast. Um, Super fun. Got to give a shout out to uh, one of the newest. He was a, a... one of the ad-free guys, um, but came on full tier, going into the Marco Polo Group, all that stuff. Uh, Keegan Goslanowski out of Cascade, Wisconsin. So, welcome to the Patreon group. Um, lots of lots of cool stuff <laughs> coming there. And one of the things that's been in the Patreon discussion at this moment is that that offers you up uh, a feed for ad-free, so no more ads. Um, you know, you don't have to skip them. It's just part of the, the thing, but you can actually, um, uh, get, uh, f- an ad free feed. So it's a little bit cleaner, uh, easier to listen to, but all that is available with Patreon as well as the giveaway. We're going to be doing that. If you're listening to this on the episode drop day, we're going to do that today. Um, April 5th, uh, we are going to be doing, uh, the giveaway. So that being said, what are we giving away? Uh, always a package from Huntworth. Some arrows, a set of arrows from, from Zinger. They have two different ones. They have a Kinetic um, that are lower GPI, uh, thinner, uh, I guess they're smaller diameter. Um, and then they have their their Momentum series uh, that are heavier, uh, bigger round, but great arrows. I just put those ones together. Um Didn't do really any tuning, Uh, just shot them through paper to see how they flew, and uh, really not that bad through paper. Uh, Really surprised out of the box, Um, so I got a new string coming, we're going to put that on there and get those tuned up, and really looking forward to shooting those at the Total Archery Challenge. They are, uh, you can go to Kanadi, uh, just Google Kanadi Arrows or go to their Instagram, and their pre-orders are live there, so They're available for everybody now. Um, Check them out. We're going to be talking to them uh, here coming up. Uh, Big shot targets they're giving away. um, Like I said, their uh, armadillo target, uh, one of our favorites from Total Archery Challenge a few years ago. Uh, Lucky Buck always gives away either some of their um, Clover Seed or the Lucky Buck. And if you look at our Instagram, uh, we've got some of that out in Ohio uh, on some private land that uh, Uncle Frank and Ernie hunt. And then Mark, uh, my buddy and uh Patreon uh, Andrew Tellman, uh they've got uh, some down in Missouri and the deer that are on that is just amazing. Um and you know, we've already got some that we're seeing that are bucks, uh some uh ones that are um, very distinct features, split ear and things like that. So it's gonna be fun to watch throughout the season um and see what those deer turn into. And then um, Spartan Forge, as always, you know, I was just looking up like addresses and other things and been doing some scouting, uh, getting ready, uh, I guess some, some e-scouting, getting ready to go and uh, put some boots on the ground and some spots that I've wanted to check out for a while now. And the their UAV footage, the 3D, I mean, it's amazing to, when you can turn those contour lines down to like 10, you know, you can see the differences in 10 feet increments Um, really great. You can check them out. You can save 25%, uh, by going to Spartanforge.ai and using the code there. Uh, you can use code Bowhunter. Like I said, save 25% and they're giving away one of their year subscriptions. And then also our new partner with Vitalize Seed. Uh, we just got some of that sent up to the property in the UP and those guys were out in the snow, uh, putting lime, uh, spreading lime with, uh with the skid steer. So I'm really looking forward to what that property is going to look like this year. Um, you know, maybe more for the kids. I don't know how much hunting I'll be doing up there, but really looking forward to that. And we're giving away all that stuff to some of the patreons. some lucky patrons going to win, uh, each and every one of those things. And we're doing that tomorrow. Uh, going to be 9 PM, probably live on Instagram. That's usually the way that I do it. And, you know, all of that is for, you know, 17, 33 cents a day, uh, to help our show grow, to be able to do this stuff. And like I say we don't work with people who don't give back to, you know, you guys, the listeners. And that's what we're really trying to trying to get across here. And in this podcast, I think you're really gonna see that with Big Shot Targets and what a great company they are. Um, like I said, I know you guys are gonna like this episode. It's really eye opening for me. And it just kind of solidified us choosing to, you know, t- kind of partner with them this year. And uh, we really do appreciate that. But, you know, go check them out if you haven't seen them after hearing this podcast. As always, thanks. All right, everybody. Adam back with another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast today. Um, gonna be another one of those, like, you know, not. Really, product first, but uh, one of the new guys that we brought on as a as a sponsor in like the most serendipitous of ways, right? So uh, when I talk to people about podcasting, when I talk to people about like how we do things here, um, one of the biggest like pieces of advice that I got from podcasting, um, Ron Bame, you guys might know him from like Meat Eater. He has the Hunting Dog Podcast. He's actually he lives like two roads over from me so like when i started up this thing and uh started to, to meet people i got to sit down with ron and we i brought a if you know ron it's it was it was always um miller light so i brought over an 18 pack of miller light and we sat there uh and drank beers out in his dog barn i got to see his setup um and he he called it the duck blind test right so he said like can you sit down and drink a beer with this guy? Would you could you be able to spend time with it? And that's kind of like the way that I view relationships, and you know, meeting Brandon at the Great American Outdoor Show there was exactly that. We're standing around drinking beer, uh, had just talked like all weekend. Greg Litzinger's like, I got to get over to the Big Shot booth. Uh, we got to look at their targets. They make the best targets, and. You know, we're sitting there waiting for the concert to start and we're like, man, we're not going to go there for the opener. We're going to drink some beers here and uh, up walks the fella from Big Shot Targets, uh, Brandon Pirelli, and uh, just kind of hit it off from there. So uh, is that about how you would remember it there, Brandon?
2: Yeah, Adam, and I appreciate you having me on and kind of continuing that conversation that that we started there. Um, but yeah, a, a buddy of mine, Jake Linda kind of hit me up. He's like, Hey, we're, we're in the, the back hall here and, you know, hanging out with a couple of buddies. So we walked up and, you know, everybody was just kind of hanging out, had a couple beers and, you know, just kind of started having a natural conversation, which was always, always nice, especially after a long day of, of that show. It's a, it's a long, grueling show for sure.
1: And so how long have you been doing that show?
2: Oh boy. We've been doing it kind of on and off as a manufacturer. It's been, it's been tough, but we've, we've really started ramping it up in like the last, Oh, really since the NRA took it over, I should say. So I'm not sure exactly how many years that is. Um, and and we started doing the try before you buy range and then ramped up into doing uh, 100 targets in the 3d course and,
1: and uh, really putting on a, a big show there. So do you guys do any other shows like around the country?
2: Yeah. So we kind of do um, multiple shows, more so locally, um, a lot of 3D events that we put on. And um, so we do ETAR, which is a, a big traditional shoot, one of the largest in the world. And, and it's really a, a cool one where people will come in from Australia, Canada, and all over the United States. So we, we have a really good time there. Um, all really genuine people, and and uh, we have a blast. But we got a couple more coming up. We got one at Montage Mountain, um, and you know, just really trying to expand into
1: those uh, 3D courses. Okay, I'm just wondering because, like, going to that show for me, you know, mm-hmm. we we have a small uh, venue like that on like the smaller scale, and everybody said, "Oh, when you go to Pennsylvania, like when you go to Harrisburg, like." it's huge. It's the biggest thing ever. And, uh, walking in there, was like, Oh my goodness. Even if you never went to the gun side, even if you Mm -hmm. never ventured in that, just the archery hall and then kind of like over where latitude was in that like other product category. And you had to walk through, you know, a whole hall full of just outfitters and then all the fishing and all the boats and all the everything. So I just wondered how does that compare to like anything else that you guys have, have done?
2: Yeah, I mean, really, the Great American Outdoor Show is unprecedented as far as the volume of outdoorsmen and, and really the mix, right? You get a little bit of everybody there, um, but yeah, it's really unprecedented as far as that goes. And and we've done uh, shows all the way down to Virginia, Georgia, and uh, all the way out to Michigan, in fact. And um, it's just a very very fun, unique uh, crowd. Um, but as a vendor, definitely
1: definitely a uh, gets you the exposure that you want so from like a, a personal side for you uh, mm-hmm. growing up like when were you introduced to like archery and hunting and and all of that man my
2: first bow i think i think i was a year old and just you know, i got a picture of me holding this <laughs> this little plastic bow um, but i didn't really start getting into it um until maybe seven or eight years old um and, and that's when we actually really started kind of forming forming the company, right? So uh, we were out back, my brother and I and my dad um, shooting. And he was kind of at the time transitioning to broadheads and uh, – or excuse me, uh, fixed broadheads. And uh, at, at the same time, my brother and I were getting into it and missing the target. So um, he kind of had this this period of time where – He's like, man, I got to get something much bigger than that. And uh, so he kind of started developing uh, his own just out of styrofoam, compressed styrofoam, and uh, just really figuring it
1: out. So for me, like I grew up, wasn't like I didn't grow up on a farm. Like my family had five acres, the neighbors uh, to the West had horses, the neighbors across the street, had a farm and we'd wake up with pigs in the front yard or there was a cow in our garage. There was a turkeys (laughs) that lived on our garbage cans and roosted in our patio. And, but my targets were you go to the neighbors, you buy Mm -hmm. two bales of hay, right. And a stack Mm -hmm. of the paper plates. Right. And that's what we grew up with. And then, you know, you leave the bales out there and, you'd shoot them until the strings broke or, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And then you went and got some new ones and, you know, or, you know, my dad had a warehouse, so we'd get cardboard and stack it all up. And, you know, being in Michigan, we had, you know, there were the places that would take the cardboard and then bail it together. So occasionally we'd have one of those, but then it'd rain and all sorts of problems. So like for me growing up, there was never any like, Oh my god, we're gonna buy this target, or we're gonna do this. Like, nah, we just got some boxes or some hay bales or, or whatever. And this is in the you know aluminum arrow times. Uh, I don't even know that I ever like <laughs> shot a broadhead into a target ever. Like uh, until maybe I was twenty years old or something <laughs> like that. You know, so uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't it be much different. So like for the from the company side. When did that start? It, like, what year was that? And, like, how involved have you been, like, throughout the process? Have you ever been overwhelmed by the hundreds of food plot seed mixes out there? Well, you are not alone. And Vitalized Seed has developed a seed program that takes the guesswork out of food plotting. Vitalized Seed has two core mixes, the Nitro Boost and Carbon Load, to keep it simple. Nitro Boost is their spring-summer food plot mix and carbon load is the fall plot mix, each having a diverse mix of over a dozen different seed types that are highly attractive to whitetail. Food plotting made simple, but it gets even better. Each mix provides necessary nutrients to the soil, making for better plots each season and saving you money by needing less roundup and less fertilizer each season. The 1-2 system simplifies your food plots just how nature intended, Vitalize seed, make biology work for you order now at vitalize seed.com
2: so we started and and this was very much on like a hobby basis right like like i was saying it's kind of like out of necessity of hey i don't want to chase arrows and you know at the time we were still using aluminum arrows and once you once you hit those off of a rock they're bent and all kinds of stuff and um you know we were spending more time chasing arrows than actually shooting so um, it really started in 2003. And, um, at the time my dad was still working full time in sales. Um, and, and that's kind of how, um, you know, that, that got started. But, uh, really from there, he started talking to a couple buddies at the club. Um, and they're like, oh man, that sounds pretty cool. So he started making, I don't know one or two here and there for those guys uh, to kind of accomplish the same thing. Right. This was, this was on the cusp of that, that era that you're talking about where hay bales and, and just kind of compressed cardboard were really getting it done to uh, maybe, maybe we could uh, use something a little bit more effective. So that's when, that's when this really started. So back in 2003, but um it wasn't until a few years years later that he officially started the company. Right. So it took a couple of years of kind of one body telling another, and then, you know, they kind of just had that chain reaction that, that grassroots uh, start. So um, from there, uh, we just went from club to club doing 3d shoots and, and, and dragging a few along. So that's that's kind of how it started just like really grassroots in a way.
1: And what was the like first target like and it's got to be fun to like look back like to where you guys are (laughs) you know i talked with uh chris ham from hha and he's like when you Mm -hmm. you know he's got a warehouse full of old parts and old the original optimizers and to look and see like even for the prototypes from where you were to like where you're at Mm -hmm. now so what were what was the first like couple targets that you did or what were the ones you were dragging to those shows or the so the the
2: first target was was actually a big Compressed styrofoam bales um, we used from a local recycler. Like really, um, once res- once styrofoams used, there's no other. There's nothing else you can do with it. It can't break down. And so this was us um, not only like utilizing it as a target, but also like looking at it on a environmental stance. Like, okay, how can we use this again? So we got these massive bales, and my dad had like a chainsaw that was. I don't know, five, four or five foot long. And we just cut that thing in half and wrap it up in Marine shrink wrap, put, paint some targets on it. And, and that was, that's how we got started. It was just really, really large targets. Um, and it was fun. It was, it was cool watching him, you know, get, get his elbows dirty and, uh, and, and really, you know, just have fun with it. Um, at the time really like it w- it was just to, kind of feed the sport too right like so you know if he made a target here he'd buy some arrows or you know buy us the next bow and so that's really how it organically grew um just kind
1: of out of that um desire to keep that sport going and so then what like took it to the next level or brought it to like a, a manufacturing or like a you know so it wasn't your dad out there with a the- with a chainsaw, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: So, um, it took quite a while, uh, for us to kind of get to that point. Um, it really started with once, once that news of us kind of running around and doing the whole 3d shoot thing, got to a dealer and, uh, I forget exactly who the dealer was, but he said, Hey, uh, can you make us like 10 a week from now to October? And this was like mid-summer. And uh, you know, at the time, we're, we're making them one at a time. Uh, it's taken us a full day. And we're like, I don't know about that. So we give it a shot, right? We gave it a shot. And uh, eventually, mom said, hey, uh, this is really awesome, but uh, it's got to get out of my garage. So, so we rented a, uh, rented a two-car garage and then eventually um, went to a barn with uh, straw, straw floors and kind of grew from there. Um, and you know, at the time we only had a couple of employees, but, um, it was, it was fun. We were roughing it, uh, recycling different things. Uh, we'd go dumpster diving for plastic bags out of the mattress factory and, uh, just really anything we could get our hands on. That was how we started our first bag target in fact. So just kind of plastic trash bags. And of course now all of that has uh, moved up because of the speed of bows, but,
1: but yeah, that's, that's how we got started. Yeah. So <laughs> can you talk a little bit about that? Cause uh, again, like not ever having it, targets like that or anything like that, I, I didn't really like think about what went into a target. And so my father-in-law, you know, from the show, uh, uncle Frank here, he would have these bag targets and stuff like that. And you'd shoot different arrows in, in, into them. And then the, target would break down or something or your insert would get snagged in there and then you'd have to, and it'd pull out like a piece of like an old shirt or something. I'm like, really is this what's in these bag targets and stuff like that? So like for, for guys who, you know, wonder about like the, I guess the evolution of the bow target, like where you guys were where you're at today? Like, I remember those big, like wrapped, Targets Mm -hmm. with all the, like you're talking about with the, with the, like, I don't know, like saran wrap on the outside of them. Um, Mm -hmm. and then the, the stuffed ones with, uh, clothing (laughs) inside or, or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. but like, what has, has it been just bows, uh, the speed that's like created the evolution of the, of the target?
2: Yeah. So um, the, the bows, the bows are always kind of pushing the target companies to, to get better and to improve or Im- improve the experience for the end user. Um, so you know, the, the styrofoam blocks were awesome, super durable, but eventually uh, started melting to the, to the arrows, right. Because of the, the speed and, so that's when we kind of had to evolve that. And same thing with the the plastic bags um, th- that we were pulling from the mattresses. And really, actually, I think it was more for that along the lines of we couldn't get enough. Um, we were spending more time dumpster diving, running all over town, trying to find stuff to uh, to stuff in there. So um, without getting like too in-depth with it, essentially, um, we have to... You know, find something that's not going to melt to an arrow and um, also give it a soft landing. So you kind of have to find uh, the happy medium. And that's always kind of the trick to the trade is, is finding that, that happy, that happy medium of uh, soft landing and making sure that arrows aren't going to get stuck in it. Right. So it's just kind of evolved one thing after another um, from there. And, and now um, we have, some of the, what we consider to be the, the toughest targets on the market, um, but also the easiest pool. So,
1: so with that, like when you, um, you, you know, you started that, that evolution, but like, at what point does it, does it go? Cause I mean, if you go to your website right now and you look at mm-hmm. the, the targets, I mean, it's, you know, everything that you would expect from, you know, a, I would say like a higher end, target company right so mm-hmm. i don't see styrofoam bail you know i i don't i don't see like yeah. rudimentary uh type thing so at what point does it end up being okay now we got to do 3d targets now we got to jump into to this side of it and what is the process for that where you can't really just go dumpster diving for, you know, a mold or, you know, whatever you're dealing with these new, uh, polymers and foams and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it, it, that seems from, um, someone that's like, a you said your dad was in sales, right? Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem like the source. I mean, I, I go back to like the other guy that I talked to from the, the show there with, the, um, the velvet lock and the, 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 the fan lock and that sort of stuff. Like you, I, I feel like most people who don't have a background in chemistry are just mm-hmm. like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to mix these two things together and see if it works. <laughs> you know, I'm not just going to, yeah. you know, create a mold with my chainsaw and fill it up with spray foam and then go mm-hmm. from there. So it's so like, what's that like? Yeah. So um, I guess the,
2: the, the basis of that is although he was in sales um, he was kind of the the visionary for this. And I think like kind of always had um, in the back of his mind that he wanted to do something for himself. Um, so uh, he had actually previously had a, a tech company and, uh, and, and ran that with a partner and, and, uh, and then they exited actually right before, um, you know, the dot-com crash and, so, like, I think in the back of his mind, he was kind of always like looking for something else to do, but um, with his hands. I think he likes to be outside or or active, um, and sitting behind a desk doesn't doesn't really do it for him. So, um, my dad's always coming up with new things and new ideas on how to do things. Um, so, really, um, like his his idea of staying kind of like one step ahead and and uh, and trying to trying to uh, be ahead of what the customer needs is is really kind of what's what drives him and uh, I would say I'd say that's it yeah the, just the, the desire to to do good for the customer so that's that's what kind of guides it
1: and what but what was like the first three d target that you guys did, and how big of a i guess how big of a decision was that too?
2: Oh man, the first three d target so um we actually ended up buying a three d company um out of North Carolina um from a from a gentleman called russell wyatt a very very nice guy but uh he actually my dad had discovered this company. Um, way back when they were jumping around when we were jumping around from one 3d uh, shoot to another selling our stuff and he actually bought one at a at an event turned it over and said rnw targets on it so he kind of googled that or um, and and discovered this company every year he'd call russell and say hey russell you want to do a deal and you know, I'll send you some of our bag targets and you can send us some of our 3Ds and, you know, looking at some sort of distribution channel because, uh, you know, really targets is a shipping game, right? So um, that was kind of like what spurred the idea of the, the 3D target. And uh, eventually, you know, my dad called Russell for years, just every year, like, hey, you want to you make a deal or do you want to you know, join together? And uh eventually Russell said, you know, I think I think I'm about ready to retire. Um I'd like for you guys to come on down and just, you know, see see what we've got going on and seeing seeing if uh we would carry on kind of what he's been working on himself. Um so we went down there to uh Russell's chicken coop and (laughs) and we started figuring out how to make a make a 3D target. So um, you know, we kinda had a formula and we had um, had a good set of molds and, and a lot of experience. So um, that was, that was super helpful to where he kind of held our hands getting started into the 3d area of things. So, um, and then from there uh, you know, we, we took that up, up to Pennsylvania and kind of got things fired off. Um, and then as far as kind of the, evolution uh that you're you're talking about so um if you remember back to when i was saying you kind of have to follow the bow the bow companies and the speeds and all that um you know we started getting into it and and realizing these targets are really lasting a long time but um we want something easier pool Uh, bows were evolving and um you know we had these really awesome realistic molds um and so we, we actually um, started looking around and doing the whole chemistry thing back and forth. And like you said, you, you wouldn't think uh, a, a guy that's in sales can, uh, is, is one to kind of get into the chemistry of things, but he just get, jumped in and, and got it done. And so we came up with, with our new uh, easy pool foam and it's been a blast ever since really taking off. Um, and now the trajectory is actually even growing since the, since the pandemic.
1: And so what was the time frame in that? Like, so when you, when you bought that and kind of moved into the, the 3d world, uh, kind of bigger time.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I believe we bought the company around 2000, 18 ish or so. Um, so I was in college at the time, And I remember getting the call and saying, hey, you know, we we have this offer. I've been talking to Russell for years. And of course I I had known kind of a little bit of the situation. And uh, and you know, we got kind of the whole family on the phone and said, you know, we think this is just the right move to keep the, the company growing and and offer the full lineup of targets, right? And really the thought was if I can if I can get the customer a bag target. Uh, a high-end bag target, 3D video range, the range target, the whole thing. They go to one company, um, and they have it all. So we kind of wanted to have that uh, one-stop shop feel when you when you came to our company. And so that's when we when we decided to take that dive. And um, so they they kind of got that started up while I was at school, and I was just coming back in the summer times and helping them out, but.
1: And so, when you were at school, what was your? Were you going there with this in mind, um, staying with the company, growing the company, uh, all of that?
2: Yeah, I think um, really since I was a kid, like uh, I've kind of had that same entrepreneurial uh, thought process. Where and and I was in it, right? Like I was I was selling those targets at the outdoor show, and really to take a step back, there, like you know, I was dragging dragging the targets out to, um, people's cars and, you know, sitting there spouting out, uh, you know, for sale, you know, big shot targets, right. <laughs> you know, this a little kid. Um, so like I kind of always had that, that, uh, mentality and, and I've seen him grow up in it. So I went to school with, uh, with a business management and a finance background. Um, to lock Haven university, which is, is a small school in central PA and, um, got hooked up with Miller's gun shop up there and, you know, did some shooting in my spare time. And it was just a, it was a really good place to go to school, but a hundred percent was, uh, with growing this company in mind.
1: So one of the things that I, uh, I was telling Brandon earlier, like I was, I was thinking about this podcast and, and, and thinking about, um, you know, working with them and, and, and everything. And I've never really put a whole lot of stock into like where my target came from. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking about it from many of these, like ones that you'd buy, uh, from a big box store and even the ones that you would, you know, go on and, and order, um, a lot of them are owned by a big conglomerate, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, Morel targets, or I was just trying to think of the ones that you see, the Glendale, yes.
2: Faradine. Faradine's a, a big company, right. Um, and, uh, Delta McKenzie. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of companies in, in the outdoor industry are kind of owned by these conglomerates that have, you know, kind of big money backers and, where or, or i've been in into it for years and um you know there is there is uh, definitely um, a, a fun aspect of dealing with a with a family company right you call in and you get you know me or hunter and amy um, you kind of know who you're going to talk to so um, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that, and that's kind of what i was getting at is that I, I i never really like put a whole lot of like you know stock behind that or or whatever but now you're dealing with a a real person a real company and then you guys have some pretty cool stuff going on like with your staff and in the shop did you want to talk a little bit about like what you guys are doing there
2: yeah absolutely um you know really from the very beginning um we've been kind of on this this path of you know trying to do. Uh, uh something that's really awesome for the environment um like i said with with the whole recycling aspects of things but we also want to do uh, good for uh, the customers and for the local local economy so um also the people that that we work with um, so like i mentioned amy she's been with us for uh, 10 years now she just celebrated that and uh, and her husband john's right behind her um, but, uh, recently we've been kind of working with a, uh, a recovery program, um, to where we're working with people every day who are working to better themselves. And that's been just like a, an honor and inspiration to us. Um, it's been, it's been really good. And, and these guys come in every day and, you know, a lot of these guys are just, ecstatic to be here, right? They, they might've been through, uh, 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 things that, that, um, man, sorry, I'm getting a little, a little choked up here, uh, trying to, trying to talk about it, but you know, they, they've, they've really struggled. And, uh, you know, this is, this is a portion of their life where they're getting to, uh, you know, kind of get a restart. Right. Um, and, some people uh, didn't have all the opportunity when they when they first started out. Um, so one one person that's coming to mind here is uh, is Rashai, and again, there's there's tons of tons of people that, that we've we've dealt with. But uh, Rashai came to us, and um, he didn't didn't have a whole lot of background or knowledge with tools, and you know, is that in that category of you know coming from a place that didn't have as much. Opportunity, and uh, you know he's grown with us and gone through the program, uh, and you know we've seen him uh, just light up the entire place. Right? He comes in on Monday morning. He's you know shaking hands and hugging people, and and uh, you know that's that's kind of the the community that we've tried to build in house, um, and it's, it's just been great. Um, and so Rashai actually went through the program. He he's married and um now and we actually uh, just set them up with an apartment that we're working to uh to get them established with so um you know, it's just been really awesome to to get that um so uh the, that's that's those are the guys that are building your targets every day uh and, and like you said you might not think about that um like who's building it but uh you know, these targets are all built here in Pennsylvania by hardworking guys um, who are working every day, not only for those targets, and, uh, but they're working on themselves and their families. Um, some of these guys are just getting to see their kids for the first time in, in years or um, you know, b- rebuilding that relationship. Um, so it's, it's really awesome to see kind of those both, both sides of things.
1: And how did that program like come about? Like how did, how did you guys get into that?
2: Um, that's a good question. I think, I think Amy had, um, had been talking to somebody and um, just kind of had found this program. Cause we have we've kind of worked with uh, different ones throughout the years uh, from our local city that have been kind of like a way to work program um, and kind of, uh, fulfilling those those um, opportunities for people to give them, you know, that stability that they need. So it's kind of always been like behind our our company to do something along these lines. So like um, our our whole thing is um, if we're doing well, um, it's the result of us doing good, and it's good for our for our customers. For our people, our local economy, and for the environment, and uh, you know that's that's really driven us for everything. If we can just make a really good product for to deliver for somebody, then they're going to come back and they're going to uh, you know respect our company or not respect our company, but um, really um, put their faith in our company and come back time and time again or tell their buddies. Really, like um, most of our most of our marketing has. Has been just grassroots, word of mouth. Um, so, well,
1: and, and I mean, this is a perfect example of that because, like I said, Greg, you know, was a guy that I I respect, you know, greatly, both hunting and in like the the shooting world. Right? Mm-hmm. If he's saying you guys make the best targets that are out there, like I don't have to, like i don't got to do anything like you know i i trust what what greg has to say you know and uh, that speaks volumes like like you say and to Mm -hmm. then learn that okay these are real people behind that and then to go one further and say well this company is you know helping people out in their town they're making an impact on people's lives um Mm -hmm. is much you know it's, it's almost a no brainer as far as like, where do you want to buy your next target from? Um,
2: Absolutely. Yeah. If, if we can, if we can hit all of those points, um, then, then we don't see how we don't keep growing, right. And keep helping uh, the world and, and um, you know, our local community. Um, So we're just going to keep, keep plugging away and keep um, helping everybody that we can.
1: So for you guys in, uh, uh, with a 3d target sense, Mm -hmm. right. So Mm -hmm. I would imagine in the, in the target world. And I know from like in dealing with my club and some of the stuff that we've, we've talked about, but you know, there's, there's 3d targets. There's the big, you know, uh, I guess you'd call them like club targets, right. Where you got to have the whole wall Mm -hmm. and you've, you've got, you know, the ones that you're like for your consumer from, a, a target archery side, when you're putting on 3d shoots and, and all of that for those target archers in, in 3d, like, does it, does it really matter? what the targets are from them, not like from you standpoint, but I don't know enough about it to know. Like I go to the total archery challenge and the first mm-hmm. time I went there, like my mind was blown. Right. Cause there's yeah. guys that have chairs, they have umbrellas, like they got all this crap and they've got these little cards on their belt and they're looking at it and saying, okay, mm-hmm. which target is this? So where's the dot and all that stuff. So how does that matter for, for you guys as you are, putting these targets together or trying to break into that? Like, is that any sort of an issue?
2: Yeah. So that's a, that's a really good question. That is a, a tough, um, tough thing to combat because you know, these, um, some of these companies do have a very uh, deep establishment with say an ASA uh, or an IBO um, shoot. And, and therefore uh, a lot of these guys do think that they need to, uh, shoot the targets that are on those, those courses. Um, but at the same time, we, we have ASA, we have IBO rings uh, built in um, and they're direct from uh, those companies. So we have those rings built in and what we're offering is not only a quality product um, that is life size, but also, um, something that has the rings that you need at a, an affordable price. Um, so you know we're not paying uh, a ridiculous amount to these different companies to have the the brand recognition on the on the logo, um, but we're still offering uh, a, a solution for these guys to to do it cost effectively.
1: And so, I mean, I, I guess essentially what you're saying is is like so if you wanted to. be on that tour or be sanctioned or whatever you have to pay. And then that ends up being trickling down to the consumer. Correct.
2: Correct. Yeah. And and, uh, so, yeah, if you're going to be on like a, one of those um, big competitive shoots, then it's going to be, you know, there's a, there's a payout for that. And uh, then that ends up kind of trickling down, but also, Uh, they have to have that or in their mindsets they do. And therefore there's a premium to that as well. But um, places like total archery challenge and a lot of these, these mountain shoots and um, places like Etar are kind of going against the grain and developing a really awesome shoot uh, without the necessity uh, for, for those uh, scoring rings and, um, and all that competitive nature. So Um, we've been really doing well with that and, uh,
1: and the traditional guys as well. So from a, uh, a hunting standpoint, so if you're not the, if you're not the Mm -hmm. guy with the umbrella in the chair, right. Um, if you, if you're the, the hunter who wants to set up his own home range or wants to, um, you know, buy a, a 3d target, um, I guess, which is your favorite and what sets yours apart? Like if you're like, okay, if I could, uh, you got, I mean, you do, you've got access to the whole warehouse, right? And you're saying this is the target that I would choose if I could only choose one. And this is why. Gotcha.
2: Yeah. So uh, to, to kind of start out, we really excel with the bow hunter. um, And for a couple of reasons, one um, we have a, a life size target. Um, and, and that's, that goes a long way and you might not even realize it at first, um, kind of when you're going out there and, and you're trying to visualize how far away this animal is. But, um, it, w- it wasn't until like, we kind of got in and, uh, interacting with a lot of traditional archers that they're like, Oh my God, yes, this is, this is everything for knowing distance and, and being comfortable, uh, with, with the size of a deer so um what i i like the the big buck uh target as a as you know my personal favorite um it's 12 inches deep it's designed off of a 200 pound uh, taxidermy mold essentially and um and so that one kind of gives you you know that feel of going out west and and shooting something um so that kind of is is ideal but uh this this month, I think I'm going to be switching to the to the walking bear as standing bear because we're getting ready to go on a on a bear hunt here. So might be transitioning here. And where are you headed? So we're going to head to New Brunswick. Um, so Wayne, our customer service guy, and I are going to head up to New Brunswick with a couple of his friends, and then my dad's actually going to Saskatchewan with uh with our sales manager Adam.
1: So okay, and so what? <laughs> What's the, uh, I guess the details are you staying in like one of these big fancy lodges and they're just going to, you know, chain up a bear for you, or (laughs) you're going to be in a drop camp, you're flying in what's, what's the scoop. So, so uh, the, mine,
2: my bear trip is going to be, I think a little bit more down and dirty from what I'm understanding. We're going to drive up there and uh, you know, it's not going to be roughing it by any means, but we're going to um, have a little bit more cost effective, uh, route. And, and, uh, from what I understand, it's going to be on a, on a new property. The guys never, uh, never done any uh, guiding there. So we're going to be actually the first ones on it with a ton of bear. So super excited about that. Um, whereas my dad's going to fly out there, um, with Adam, who's like, like a bear magnet from what I understand. And, uh, so they're going to go to maybe a little bit more comfortable lodge with a couple of, um, a couple of buyers. And, um, and so they're going to have a good time as well. They're not going to be chained up, but it's, <laughs> they're going to see some really big bear from what I understand.
1: And so what's your bow setup and arrow setup, broadhead that you're going to be using for the bear?
2: Um, that's a good question. Uh, so I got a, a Hoyt right now and, uh, so I got that when I was shooting in college. Um, so it's been been uh, around for a while. Uh, I'm going to have a HHA sight on there. Um, I'm probably going to still use a Rage on the Broadhead side, although I'm kind of testing out some of the fixed blades uh, going into next season. So um, also testing out the Grim Reaper is just a, kind of a side side test as well but but yeah that's that's kind of what we're looking at
1: so have you guys killed bears before
2: um so i personally haven't killed a bear although um been there when we were doing doing some bear hunting in college and and so i was able to experience the the full um full experience of, of bear bear camp and uh hunting bears but uh i haven't gotten a bear yet and neither has my dad Okay.
1: Yeah. It, so that's one of the things that I've always heard about bear hunting, you know, my, my father-in-law, he shot one and, uh, you know, that was way back in the day. Probably like I, if I were to, if I were to guess, he's probably shot it with a thunderhead or a Zwicky or something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they always talk about bears and how much they bleed or don't bleed and how much it gets caught up in the fat and the fur, um, and, mm-hmm. and all of that. So I, I always, I always find it interesting to like hear what people are using or see if they've got any experience. Like I, man, this year I, I would think that I would draw. I thought I was going to draw last year for here in Michigan with the,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I got, I'll have, I think six points this year. So I, 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 would think I would draw for one of the units where I'd like to, um, our big it's draws. Bound are, to happen
2: here soon. What's that? So it's bound to happen here soon.
1: Yeah. I mean, so we've got some units here that are 10 plus, Mm-hmm. Um, where there's sounds like maybe where you're going, where there's, there's just tons and tons of bears. Um, and, and I don't know why they don't, you know, open it up a little bit more, at least for the one that's closest to us. But, um, I want to, so here it's like the, after the first season, people can run dogs. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I kind of want to hunt the first season, um, just so you avoid the dogs. But the second season that it has the dog hunting is, so long and it goes into like archery deer season that it's like, uh, maybe you just get, get on a good spot on the first day of the second Mm -hmm. season or something like that. Um, but we'll see how it goes, but we've got uh, a camp up in the UP that I had some really big bears on camera last year. I, I, like I said, I was sure that I was gonna, gonna draw and just, I didn't. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's interesting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And going back to your, to your broadhead thing. I and, mean, um, that's kind of what's kind of guiding this, uh, this thought of switching to the, to the fixed blades is it's like they, they do, uh, you know, have a lot of fat and it, you know, covers up that hole. So, um, you know, I just kind of decided recently that we're going to go on this trip. So I have until June to kind of figure out the setup, but, uh, um, we're, we're going to, kind of dive in right now i'm comfortable with what i have and so that's where we're going to start but um, we also have a pretty decent uh, bear season here in pa and um, we just got 95 acres up in the Poconos, so um, we're going to probably have some pretty good action there too so it's extended season up there so it should be good.
1: So what was your like hunting history? Like, so we talked a lot about the company and, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but you know, w- one of the things we kind of glossed over is like your dad did this thing to kind of fund the hunting. So what was it growing up for you as far as from the hunting side of it?
2: Yeah. From the hunting side, um, you know, we've, we've predominantly stayed in Pennsylvania, um, and, deer hunting, um, and, my favorite place to hunt is my grandmother's farm, and she's she's got a place up in Allentown. It's about forty acres or so, so uh, nothing nothing too large. But um, the farm's like always been packed with deer. And, um, but it's it's kind of tough to hunt, uh, uh, being that it's a kind of a transition uh, uh, location between a swamp and uh, like a a government property essentially. So, um, that's my favorite place to hunt. Um, but yeah, it's pro- predominantly been Pennsylvania. We've done a little bit out in Ohio, um, and West Virginia. My dad, uh, my dad got a nice 10 point in West Virginia quite a few years ago. Um, and that's, that's a crazy place to hunt cause it's, it's so steep, right? And it's like, just, like crazy how open and wooded it is. And you'll be sitting there for days and they say, bring the sunshine with you. Right. Cause there's no, just, sometimes there's just no sun and how deep those hollers are. But, um, then all of a sudden, bam, the whole woods light up and, uh, there's deer running all over the place. And that's when he, that's when he got one and I was able to experience that. So that was, that was really cool. Um,
1: I I think it's really cool how you like, you explain that only because Mm -hmm. like being from Michigan and like the way that I grew up, like, and you have to see it now being in the position where you're at and talking with so many people and dealing with so many things that Mm -hmm. you said, you know, my dad got a pretty nice 10 point, right? Mm -hmm. He he didn't say like, it was like a hundred and X inches. You didn't say any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. You said he got a 10 point and, and like, for me growing up and probably really like until I started this podcast or like a little before, like that's what everything was measured in. You know, it didn't really mm-hmm. say, like, Oh, I got a 10 point. Like you can kind of guess what that looked like. He got a six point, like, okay. Yeah. It's probably a year and a half old, you know, 10 point. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, when you get into 12 or more then you'd be like, okay, well, that must be a really big deer, but age, <laughs> age never got into it. Like it never yep. got into to any of that stuff. Um, and, and I just think that that's awesome, uh, from, from that, that standpoint, because it, it also kind of shows me like where you're coming from, you know, and, and it isn't, you know, some guys who I talk to that have companies or in the industry or, or, or whatever, yeah. um, you know, they would be like, well, you know, we're going up to this thing and it's guided and it's all this stuff. And you're like, well, you know, it's, it's not going to be too, Bougie, but you know it's gonna it's gonna be fun, uh, like really down to earth, uh, f- from from that that standpoint, um,
2: yeah, and, and and in some ways, like kind of just the experience is is what it's all about, right? So up until like, we've done some guided hunts and, and whatnot, but uh, for most parts, like I said, we got uh, forty acres, at my grandmother's. Uh, at home, we, we hunt backyards, man. It's, uh, it's fun, um, to, to kind of sneak in and, and, know, they know we're there, but, you know, just kind of, uh, silently do what we do. Um, so, but actually the biggest buck my dad ever got was 13 points right behind our house. And, you know, we're kind of suburbs, like near, near Philadelphia. And, um, there's, there's some decent deer out here. So, um, but, but really, um, we're, we're starting to get to a point where the company is kind of running and it's it's giving us the time to go onto these hunts. And so that's what we're really excited about. Um, and I think my dad's focus is kind of going that way too. It's like, man, I spent quite a few years just heads down working hard on this, on this company. Um, and it's now to a point where it's, it's uh, giving him some freedom, and I'm also and working with my team to try to give him that freedom to, to you know, buy that property and, and kind of get it to a very managed state and, um, where he can go on this hunt and stuff. So that's, that's also a driving factor for me.
1: Well, it's pretty smart of your dad sake send this guy to business school, finance school. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do all these hunts. You figure out how to pay for it, son. If there's anything left over, you go with your buddies. Yep. Yep. <laughs> hey, he, he's paid his dues
2: for sure. And no, he he's actually um, I think really just excited to see people hunt. Um, like I said, they're going up there with with a couple of friends and um, like Mike my cousin, she just got out there and, and had, uh, had an opportunity to get her first buck two years ago. And then last year she was actually pregnant with her, with her child and still was able to get out there and ground blind and, and uh, and get a doe. And like, those are the moments that gets him going anymore. It's like,
1: uh, getting, getting out there with, with people, with his family and, and really enjoying the hunt. Man. I, I really hope people take something away from that because we've been talking about it here since the, the last, last year on our, our Patreon hunt, it was freaking tremendous um, just being with a, a group of guys and, and the, the deer camp and the camaraderie and, and all of that stuff. And, you know, it, it gives you, you know, I, I guess it's that, like that, that team win type thing where yeah. even if you didn't get something, you get to, you get to see that next guy, you know, that there's still a chance that we're going to be track and that we're going to be doing that. <laughs> and, 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 and to see that alive from, from that standpoint, because I, th- I feel like, you know, the, the further you get into the industry or the more people that you get to see, you get to see somehow, how, how selfish it gets. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and how, um, uh, you know, there's so much like one-upsmanship, right? Well, yeah. it, and it, it's not, you know, it, it sounds like, but that's not what we were brought up on, right? It, mm-hmm. it just isn't. Um, and everybody's yeah. trying to get something for themselves, like on on some level. But but honestly, the the camaraderie and the I, I think it's cool. You're, you're you know you you said you went to a bear camp and you got to experience that and now you're going up there with a tag and, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's, uh, super important for people to hear. And especially, you know, kind of speaks to like the Testament of like, if you guys weren't already, uh, selling people on, uh, you know, just this podcast by saying like, look what we're doing for our town. Look what we're doing for our community. Look how we're making mm-hmm. these here. Um, but you're saying like, this is how we're coming up. Like we just want other people to shoot stuff. You know, I think that's awesome. Exactly.
2: exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really what it's, what it at the end of the day comes down to being what it's all about. Right. It's like, you know um, you can, you can always try to one up um, each other, or, but really if you can, you know, just do a little bit better than you did to the year before or, you know, just enjoy the experience, um, just kind of on a on a simplistic level. I mean, that's what it's really all about is is uh, you know, that camaraderie and and enjoying the outdoors. So um, that's what we really like to do. Of course, we like to shoot you know, big big bucks and and all of that, but um, I think at the core of it, if you if you keep that in mind, you're going to really enjoy the whole experience a lot more. And and that's something that I think I've been transitioning to as my dad's gotten older um as as i've seen him just kind of enjoy the experience with people um
1: and and uh, yeah that's been uh, a very awesome experience so do you think that that's like a common thread um amongst like pa guys and michigan guys i mean you got a, a, a ton of hunters right And you guys have it a little different now because you have, like, all of your antler point restrictions statewide, um, Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. But, you know, Michigan, Wisconsin, we have the deer camp atmosphere. Like, that's what you're Mm -hmm. known for. If you think deer hunting in Michigan, it's rifle hunting, deer camp camaraderie. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you say that's a common thread with, like, PA?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say that PA kind of has that going for it too. And, you know, really like, um, even for, for gun season, um, like Pennsylvania used to shut down schools for the first day of of rifle season. Like it's, it, it goes way back and, uh, you know, everybody kind of getting together at the cabin and, and, uh, you know, I got to experience that a little bit as, as I was going through school where I was in central PA where, you know, there's a lot of cabins, a lot of people traveling up into those those places, and and kind of get the first exposure to that. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say 100 that that is is something Pennsylvania's got going for it.
1: Yeah, like I say there's uh, Northern Michigan for sure. Like I, we never got we never got that day off. I missed a lot of <laughs> opening days of, of school. You know, by by the time I was 14. Like we didn't, we just had the rest of the week off. Like we were going up North. Like it was, that was, it was not it, negotiable. It deal? <laughs> so, so in the time, like that, my parents have been married, my dad mm-hmm. missed one opening day and they've been married for, I don't know, maybe close to 50 years. I'm 42. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but that was, my brother was born on November 14th and that's the <laughs> only day that my dad ever missed. Mm -hmm. opening day of gun season so my brother until he was 14 did not see his dad on his birthday ever you know (laughs) it wasn't until he was 14 and could go that Mm -hmm. he got to celebrate his birthday with with my dad so
0: Mm -hmm. it's just the
1: way that it was it was not negotiable
2: (laughs) (laughs) and then he got to start seeing you know the the full experience of that right yeah oh yeah why why it was so important but
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah but like i say just you know just from like like full circle how we started this you know it it ends up being that that whole thing is like who do you want to you know uh stand behind or whatever and like for for you guys and your company not only do you make good products not only do you you know help your community and all that but you're that same guy who could share that same deer camp and it wouldn't be like, Oh, look at me, look at all the stuff that we do. Uh, Mm Um, you'd, you'd be there, you know, just rooting for everybody else, just the same. And, and I think that that really does speak volumes for you guys.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're getting excited to where we're getting a, uh, a kind of camp started there. Like I said, we, we bought that acreage up in the Poconos and, uh, you know, we're talking about off the grid cabins up there and kind of a little cluster. Um, we already do have one kind of locally to so where, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a hike, but we can kind of, we can hit both my grandmother's farm and this acreage and, and get people placed. So, um, you know, if one spot's hot, we can head over to there, um, and vice versa. So, um we're getting our own camp established in that area, but, um, it's, it's just an exciting process to kind of get that property up to speed. So we actually, um, my dad had somebody come in and and we walked around and looked at the different, uh, terrain and trees and all this different stuff to, to really get it up to speed quickly. So, um, so that he could really experience, um, other people getting involved and getting involved himself in the, in the, the management of that area.
1: Well, that's awesome. So for for all of this, like, where can people follow along with like your your bear hunt, and uh, if they want to check out the targets, they want to, um, you know, follow along with what you guys are doing. What where can they do that?
2: Um, so we're on Facebook and Instagram, and actually we just started a TikTok as well for uh, Big Shot Archery. And then also I do Facebook and Instagram, uh, Brandon P 98. Um, you can follow me on there as well. Um, and really just excited to, um, share that experience with these guys. So, uh, we're going to start kind of ramping a lot of that stuff up and,
1: uh, you know, make sure that everybody can kind of follow along. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time with us, Brandon. I really appreciate it. And, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, looking forward to seeing you with the, one of those big bears hang, holding them <laughs> up and, uh, and all that so thank you Adam,
2: Adam it's been a pleasure I really appreciate it
1: yeah not a problem